Good morning, church. As Chad mentioned already, I'm Jason. My primary responsibilities as one of the pastors here in the community church is at the East Jordan campus, and uh, Jeff and I have switched places this morning. That's something that you'll probably see a little more frequently in the coming uh, weeks and months and years, now that we have a preaching team made up of four people whose primary responsibilities are to open God's Word at each of our three campuses each week. And I know some of you have developed a real appreciation uh, for being fed from the hand of your shepherd, Jeff Ellis, each week. And some of you have developed a a real value and enjoyment of uh, Pastor Brandt's unique style of opening God's word. And and, uh, John from our Lansing campus also has uh, his own unique abilities and gifts. And so if you've got a preferred voice that you'd like to hear God's word from, understand that it's healthy for us preachers to be able to visit with each of our campuses and interact like I get to today uh, with all of you here at the Walloon campus. It's a treat for me to do this. And it's also healthy for us at times to be able to sit where you're sitting and receive a sermon as somebody else comes and opens God's word in front of us. And did you know that it's also healthy for all of our people and all three of our campuses and those of you joining us online regularly to be able to hear the voice of God in different human voices? And so as you get exposed to a different preacher here and there and at different times, embrace the opportunity to hear what God has to say, even if it's from a voice that may be a little less familiar or even sometimes preferred to the one that you heard from last week or are looking forward to next week. With that in mind, I want to mention there's only a couple weeks left in our current series that we've been working through for almost two months now, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And uh, with that in mind, I know some of you have been unpacking some things during this series. The Lord's been speaking to you. You've given him access to the deep down part of who you really are under the surface. Maybe that part of you that most people don't get to see or even know about unless you reveal it to them. And, And God's doing some work there to reshape you into who he wants you to be. I know that some of you also are thinking, when is this series going to be over? I'm not the touchy-feely, warm, fuzzy, emotional kind of a guy, and and I don't want God messing with the deep down who I really am under the surface me. Can I tell you if that's you? Give God access to who you really are anyway, and allow him to speak to you on what and how he wants to reshape you. And I realize that as we've been going through this series and, and doing some challenging work in some of our hearts and lives, that maybe he's pointed out an area where you're pretending, where you're more focused on the outward appearance that everybody else sees than who you really are, where he's most interested, deep down in your heart. Or maybe you're still unpacking some of the baggage that you inherited from your parents or your grandparents or even generations before that. Perhaps you're one who's hit a wall in your relationship with Jesus Because God did or allowed something that you didn't expect a loving God to allow in your life. And you're trying to figure out what to do with that still. We talked about it weeks ago, but you're still stuck there and trying to figure out how God's going to move you forward past that wall. Maybe you've been dealing with grief or an area of personal weakness that you're trusting God to give you the grace and the strength to provide his power in that area of your weakness. 
Or maybe you're realizing some limits that God placed on each and every one of us as finite human beings in the face of an infinite God, and you're still trying to figure out how to implement healthy limits for your life in order to embrace all that God wants you to be rather than who he didn't create you to be. Or maybe, like me, you're really trying to figure out what, after last week's message, realizing that Sabbath actually does apply. This idea of a day of rest applies to you and me here in New Testament times. What do we do with that? How do we implement that in our weekly routines? Can I just encourage you, if God is working in an area, any one or several of those areas deep down inside you, keep giving him access. Keep letting him do the work that he's begun in you until he's completed it in Jesus Christ. Because God is in the process right now of making each and every one of us who he created us to be rather than settling for who it is that we are right now. So keep letting him do that work. And if you need help with that, can I encourage you? If you haven't already, pick up a book. Allow the information that goes deeper into some of these topics than we're able to go on a Sunday morning uh, through this book in order to, to dig in. Some of our life groups have uh, uh, shifted their conversations during this series to unpacking this stuff together because it's that important. Maybe you need to have a conversation with one of us pastors or even have a conversation with one of us in order to get connected to a professional Christian biblical counselor that can help delve even deeper into some of these areas where God is doing this work. Keep allowing him to move you forward in this process, even when it comes time for us to move on to another series. And even today, when we're moving on to yet another topic, inviting God to mess with our stuff, to, to get inside of who we are and change how we're living in order for us to be a little bit more like Jesus than we were when we walked in this building today. Are you willing to do that work even though it's going to be another new area of life that he wants to deal with this morning? With that in mind, I, I want to encourage you that if you had to choose only one area for God to do a work and actually change you, to impact the way that you're living your daily life throughout this series, if you were to pick only one, as important as all of them are, if you could only do one thing that was different at the end of this series than you were at the beginning, it would probably be this one thing. Develop a habit. And get into a routine of daily spending time with Jesus Christ, your Savior. Make that a habit. Listening to him and letting his spirit speak into you every single day. Because this one step has the power to change your life like few other things in your experience ever could. It can literally transform who you are into someone better, into the person that God created you to be rather than who you might be settling for from a day to day. And here's why. It's because spending time with Jesus every day, just a few minutes, listening to his voice and speaking to him and allowing him to interact with who you really are, it gives Jesus access not only into the areas we've been talking about through this series, but every area of your life. He can point out every single day, here's an area where I want you to do this. 
Follow me in this area. Give this thing over to me. Trust in me to give you strength for the decision that you have to make in a few hours. Do you realize you don't have to wait till Sunday morning to hear God speaking to you? If you set a time, time each and every day to listen to what God has to say to you. And so I want to ask the question as we're digging into this topic. In the last seven days, how many of those days did you prioritize spending time with Jesus? If the answer was anything other than every day, I want to suggest to you, I want to challenge you, make it a habit, a daily routine to spend time with Jesus every single day in the coming week and then in the week after that. Because this one step has the power to change the way that you live your life and the way that you experience your relationship with the God who created you to have a relationship with him. Now, i got to say, our message today isn't new. If you've been a part of the community church at any of our campuses, online or in person, even a handful of weeks before, you've heard one of us talk about how important it is to daily spend time with Jesus, to walk in the Spirit and allow Him to have access to, and give you guidance in how you live your life each day. In fact, just a few weeks ago, earlier in the series, we challenged you what the author of this book series did, Pete Scazzaro, to set aside just a couple of minutes twice a day to be still, as God's word counsels us to do, and know that God is God in your life. I wonder, if pop quiz, how many of you actually accepted that challenge and said, I'm going to try to spend a couple of minutes twice a day during the series just being alone and quiet with God. And now, how many of you followed through on that challenge and you're consistently walking it out? Way to go, guys. And I can tell you, if you just raise your hand for the second time, you could probably come up here and testify right now into something that God said to you during that time you never would have heard if you hadn't prioritized listening to him. And if you didn't, that's all right. You're going to get another shot at doing what God wants each and every one of us as followers of his son Jesus to do. And today, Daniel, the Old Testament prophet uh, who had a slumber party with some hungry lions in that cave, he's going to be our case study today. He's going to be our guide as we seek to understand why would we want to prioritize spending time with God every day and how do we do it? You see, Daniel... He was uniquely tuned in to the voice of God. He was somebody who spoke truth to power. He gained respect, even from his enemies, for his wisdom, for his insight, for the good advice that he gave to anyone who was willing to accept it. Because it came not from Daniel, but from the voice of God. And he was passing it on. You see, if you dig into Daniel's story... God revealed secrets and mysteries to him that he's never revealed to anybody else. And Daniel recorded them in what we now call the Bible. And it still gives us insight. Scholars still pour over Daniel's words of what God said to him about what we call the end times in order to figure out what God might be up to in our future. God used Daniel in incredible ways, and here's why. Because when Jesus in the book of Revelation says, he who has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, Daniel was one of those guys 
who listened to what the Spirit was saying to him. He prioritized time every single day for that to happen. Daniel heard because he listened. And then he was able to share the secrets that he gained from God to other people. And we'd never be able to learn what Daniel shared with us from any other source. And so what was the secret to Daniel being able to be in tune with and hear from God in such miraculous and powerful and influential ways? What can we learn from this case study? If you've ever heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den, or maybe you've just seen it on VeggieTales, you already have a pretty good idea where this is going. But we're going to unpack it a little bit. Let me give you some of the backstory. If you've got your Bible in front of you, open up to Daniel chapter 6. And we see in verse 3, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. He was an outsider who actually rose to significant influence and power and authority in a foreign nation's government leadership. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Great for Daniel. Great for the kingdom. Could you imagine being those guys who are being passed over for the promotion that's now being handed to Daniel? And so, continuing on there in verse 4, these other administrators that are being passed over, they say, oh no, what are we going to do? The king likes Daniel more than me and you. We got to get him out of here. And yet there's a problem. And they look at Daniel's life, who is literally above reproach to the point where they can't finger a single spot in his life or behavior. Even after the opposition research, they can't find a warts to be able, or a scab to pick at and find fault with Daniel's professional behavior. And they realize if there's any way that we're going to cause trouble for Daniel, it's going to have something to do with his religion. We're going to seek to make his faith in God and his spiritual relationship with him into a fault rather than a strength. In a culture where nobody else was living for God, Daniel was. And they saw that as a potential liability, even though we can see from the pages of Scripture and the pages of history, that was Daniel's greatest strength. And sure enough, they dig in, and they continue to pick, and they realize, you know what? He has a daily routine of spending time with God. So if we make a law against praying, then maybe we have a place to get him. So they get together, they talk, they make a plan, they say, we have a plan now. I like it. It's sneaky, but it just might work if we can get the king to pass a law against praying to anyone but the king. They enact that law, and now we see in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, the aftermath of that law. Would you stand in honor of God's word, as is our custom, if you're able to do so, and read out loud together, proclaim God's word from the screen or from your copy of the Bible in front of you. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Here we go. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he has always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. 
Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Would you pause now and pray to our God one more time today? Lord Jesus, we invite you through the power of your Holy Spirit to take control of our hearts and take control of the words that are leaving my lips and fill them with your words. God, through the truth of your word, would you help us to understand one of the secrets to gaining insight and wisdom that makes a difference in the world around us and the people that we care about? Would you help us to understand the most important priority in life and to live in the way that honors you? And puts us in a position to do everything else in life in a way that pleases you as well. Would you let us learn from Daniel? Would you let us do what he did so that we can experience the kind of relationship with you that he had? And all God's people at the community church gathered in Walloon said in one loud voice, Amen. Go ahead and take your seats if you will. You know, in Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, uh, Pete Scazzaro spends chapter 6, if you're keeping track, challenging us to develop what he calls a rule of life. He defines a rule of life as a consciously chosen routine for how we're going to live our life. He's talking about being intentional about our priorities, determining what's most important in life, and then choosing not to live by accident, just reacting to whatever happens to us day after day, but to live on purpose. Maybe you've heard the phrase, or at least recognized the truth to it. Some of us are living life. Others of us are just breathing to death. If you want to do more than just breathe until you die, We've got to embrace what's most important in life and then do whatever it takes to make sure that those important things are a part of our lives in order to truly live. And so Pete Scazzaro challenges us to say, figure out a rule of life. What's most important and what kind of habits and routines can you backfill your daily experience, your weekly routines with, in order to make sure those most important things actually are what you're living for? So that we can live life instead of let life happen to us. And so, I don't think it's going to be a surprise to any of you to find out that I'm encouraging you. Uh, Pete is challenging you. Scripture is commanding you to make God the most important priority in your life. Now, how do we do that? How do we make sure with all the other things that we've got to do today, tomorrow, how many of you got to go to work tomorrow? Now, how many of you have responsibilities? Your boss is going to expect you to do some things that don't necessarily start and end with prayer and the Bible study tomorrow. 
And your kids are going to expect you to do some things. The government's going to expect you to follow some rules and pay some taxes. And, and the bank's going to expect you to make sure there's money in your account before you write that check or make that debit. All kinds of responsibilities crashing over us. How do we make sure God is the most important priority in our lives and we have time tomorrow for God? Daniel's going to show us. Whatever's most important, he did that, even if he didn't do anything else. Look at verse 10 again, the verse that we just read. You see, Daniel heard about this new law, and he knew the consequences of violating it. And yet he chose to keep up his daily prayer routine anyway, even under the potential penalty of death. Now understand, this wasn't a protest. He wasn't trying to make a political statement here about his personal feelings or religious convictions about the new law. No, he just kept doing, in verse 11, what he had always done, no matter what. You might be thinking, come on, Daniel, aren't you getting a little extreme in your religious uh, uh, zealous here? Can't you just take 30 days off of your prayer time in order to comply with the laws of the land, fit in with the culture around you? Could you at least, you know, uh, pray silently in your heart, kind of like some of us do when we are trying to pray before a meal in a public place? Like, I don't want people to think I'm weird. So I'm just going to go over here and now continue on with my day. Daniel, can't you make some exceptions here when the stakes are so high? Daniel says no. He had established a spiritual discipline. He had determined what was the number one priority in his life. And nothing was going to stop him from keeping what was most important. He decided the prayer. Time alone with God to talk to the God of the universe. To give thanks for what he had been blessed with. To ask for help and all the other responsibilities of his very busy day as a very important job that he had. And that was going to be his most important priority every single day. And nothing was going to keep him from priority number one. So we see in verse 10, he went home. And he had the time. Three times a day, he pulled out his iPhone and, and put, set up the, the clock with a notification to, to ring three times every day. And whatever else he was doing, he would stop it in order to open up the window of his upstairs condo that evidently had a view and kneel before God facing Jerusalem, representing for him the presence of God himself. And he would pray, giving thanks and asking God for help. Does that mean that we have to do the exact same thing? Do we have to kneel in order to be heard from God? Do we have to face Jerusalem? Do we, do we have to sit in an open window? We'll get to that in a minute, but I want you to notice from Daniel's routine. Three things that he implemented here. First, he had a time. In fact, for him, it was three times every day. The same time every day. This was a habit a routine, a schedule that he built into his daily routine. And he had a place right in front of that window. When it was time for him to pray, that's where you'd find him, just like his enemies did. And he had a process, kneeling before Jerusalem, giving thanks and asking for help. I'm going to suggest to you, you don't necessarily have to have the same time or place or 
process that Daniel did, but write those three words down because without a time and a place and a process, there's a good chance you don't have a routine. And without a routine, there's a good chance your number one priority isn't going to be kept that time with the Lord. You see, he didn't just do this routine with the time and place and process of spending time with God every single day when the pastor gave a challenge to do this for the rest of the current sermon series we're in. He didn't just do this when, if he remembered it, or at the special times when somebody shared a great devotional guide with him that seemed like really good stuff. He didn't even do this only when he was in a crisis and desperate for God to somehow intervene. This is just what he did every single day. Why? Because the number one priority in Daniel's life was his relationship with God. And the secret to his success in everything else in life was being able to hear from the voice of God, guiding him into everything else he needed to know and do. So to keep his number one priority every day, to be with God every single day, no matter how busy things got at the workplace, or with family members or friends, or just managing all of the chores he had to do, he had a routine. And he stuck to it no matter what. What's the most important thing going on in your life today? Or tomorrow? What is it that you're already thinking? You know what? I've got to get this done tomorrow. I know it's coming. It's been on my calendar for a while. I can't miss it. It's so important. Is that spending time with God? Is that number one? That's what it was for Daniel. And I wonder if maybe some of us would have more of Daniel's faith, more of Daniel's wisdom, more of Daniel's good advice to share with those around us, more of the power of God being displayed in how we live our lives to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ if we shared the same priority that Daniel had. And if we had the same kind of routine that he implemented. You might be thinking, you know what, God is the most important to me, but man, some days I just don't have time. I, I, I get so crowded out with other things, I get busy, I, I get distracted, I forget, I, I mean to spend time with him, but day comes and goes and I realize I didn't. And sometimes that's day after day after day. I've heard this message before, I have intended to do it, I just haven't quite gotten around to it yet. Well, what is it that made prayer so important to Daniel, that he made time for it, that he set up his daily routine to make sure that if nothing else happened, his time with God did happen. Verse 10, giving thanks to God, and verse 11, asking for God's help was the crux of his process. It's what he was accomplishing. And so I wonder, during this month of November, as we're leading up to the season of thanksgiving have you started reflecting on some of the things that you have to be thankful for have you begun to compile a list of the incredible blessings that you and i and everybody in this room in this nation who have the gift of life and breath have to be thankful for to god our creator do you think it's worth it 
in our busy lives to spend just a few breaths giving thanks to God every day for giving us another day. And knowing that few of us have quite as important of a job as Daniel, do you think there's something going on in your life tomorrow that you could really use God's help with? A decision to make, an action to take, a family situation to deal with, a work responsibility to accomplish. And you're like, you know what? If God were to give me the strength to do this, it would go better. Do you think it's worth prioritizing just a couple of minutes to say, God, here's what's on my agenda today. Will you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, do your work in and through me today? Prayer was the priority for Daniel. He made time for that no matter what. He established a habit. He set aside that time and that place and created the process in order to make sure that every day he was able to give thanks to God and ask for God's help. And you see the effect on how he lived his life. Daily rule of life, even if nothing else got done in his day, spending time with God happened. And his routine was so important to him, he was willing to risk the death penalty rather than let it go for even one day. That was the secret to his wisdom, to his strength, to his incomparable faith in God, his protection on his life, his provision for what he had to do, for the spiritual insight that he gained and was able to influence others with. In the last seven days, how many of those days did you make it a priority to spend time with your God? Do you think it might be time to implement Daniel's example, his rule of life into your life? And countless other amazing people in the Bible and in contemporary life around us, maybe even your parent or grandparent or that old guy in church that met you every day when you were a kid, demonstrates how God can use people who are willing to make him a priority and become men and women of prayer listening to what God has to say and then doing it. Daily time alone with God is one of the most basic spiritual disciplines that we can develop as a Christian and one of the most essential. It is impossible to walk with Jesus in a mature and consistent way if we don't also daily spend time with him. Now, this is just one of the areas that Pete Scazzaro in his book encourages us to develop in our daily lives. He suggests that we need a rule of life. We need habits that are consciously chosen as priorities that become routine in our life that reflect the importance not only of staying healthy in our prayer life, but in our rest, like Jeff talked about last week with Sabbath, and in our work and in our relationships. And so... If you've already developed a routine for your prayer life, if you could check the box all seven of the last seven days, then I want to encourage you to continue to 
follow what uh, Pete has to say in chapter 6. Dig into those other areas where God may want access to who you are deep down in your relationships and your work and your rest. Continue to reshape you there. But Pete suggested solitude. Quietness before God is the most important area of our lives. And therefore the most important routine to make sure it fits into our lives. And chances are, some of us haven't quite nailed down this prayer thing just yet. In fact, years ago when I was a youth pastor here at the Walloon campus, we used a tool called the One Minute Bible. And the idea was that this tool was going to help students to spend one minute every day with God and His Word. And I had a few parents approach me saying, what are you doing? How come you're only asking our kids to spend one minute? Don't they need more than that? And I said, yeah. But for the average kid in our youth ministry, it's about 58 seconds more than they're spending right now. So let's take a step in the right direction. And that's what I'm challenging you to do today. Take a step in the direction, even if you don't become uh, what you might consider a prayer giant or, or spiritual warrior uh, in the results of the next week. Take a step forward in your time by developing some sort of a routine of a time, a place, and a process. I want you to imagine... What if all of us did this? Everybody in this room. What if a year from now we were to gather up again and say, you know what, that, that book we did, that, that series that we did on, on emotions, um, there was that one thing where we were challenged to daily spend time with God and develop a new routine if we don't already have one. Can you imagine if 365 days from now, every one of us in this room and joining us online were to look back and say, for 365 days straight, I have made it a priority to spend at least a couple of minutes with the God of the universe, listening to him and speaking back to him. Can you imagine how God might transform our relationships with Jesus individually and how he might mobilize and use us to change northern Michigan and the world around us? I don't think we have to purely speculate and wonder because we see what God did with the early church when they did these kinds of things, when they prioritized the most important things that we find in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Can you imagine what an exciting day it would be if we had 3,000 people that chose to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the first time? And I say, come on, we've got to get that tank out so we can do some baptisms here. That's what's happening in this passage. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They made these things a priority and made sure they happened in life. And to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, like we shared last week, and to prayer. And here's the result of putting those priorities in place in their daily lives. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And here's the kicker. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Every day, they made it a priority to have the most important things in life be what they did. 
but they lived their life each day. Now keep in mind, these are the folks who had just been hiding in a room shortly before. They had watched their leader die a martyr's death and then rise again and then leave them again. And now, with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside them and the priority of putting God first in their lives, God literally changed the world with this handful of his followers. Most of them face hardships, persecution, dying and martyrs' death themselves, many of them. And God used them to change the world. You ever wonder why isn't God growing his church like that today? You ever puzzle over, why don't we see miracles that, like what God did in Daniel's day and, and the early church's day today? Why are so many Christians struggling to stay close to Jesus and being so influenced by the world around us rather than being an influence on the world around us for Christ? Why are we finding it so hard to actually do what Jesus calls us to do as his followers, his disciples? Now, there's a variety of pieces of that answer. And I don't want to get into a theology seminar today, but is it possible that one of the main reasons is because so many of us followers of Jesus haven't made it a priority to do the most important thing every day? Like Daniel did? Like those new believers did? Is it possible that we don't see the power of God in our lives and in our church and our community and country and world because like in Bible times, we're neglecting the most basic discipline of the Christian faith. We're not daily spending time with Jesus. And maybe you pray, maybe you listen to Jesus, maybe you read the Bible sometimes, but it's not quite routine. It's not daily. And I suggest to you maybe it's not because it's not yet a priority. Because you haven't made it a priority in your day. And so if you don't already have a routine, a rule of life for your prayer time, your quiet time with Jesus, can I challenge you? Can I beg you to make it a priority today to put that routine in process tomorrow? Pull out your phone right now and set a reminder, a notification at a certain time that you think is going to work for you and then allow God to adjust that as time goes on. And make a plan for a place that you're going to meet with him and some sort of process you're going to implement in order to spend a few minutes with Jesus tomorrow. And then do the same thing the next day and the day after that. You need to make this a priority in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. And this message isn't intended to make you feel guilty. It's intended to help you realize what you're missing in life if you're not already doing this. You see, when we dive into our busy days without spending time with Jesus, we're left to face all the noise and distractions around us and all the hazards of this fallen world and all the busyness of life itself. If we don't have a time and a place and a process to spend time with Jesus, we probably won't. And then we're left dealing with life in our own strength, in our own wisdom. 
Most of us know that doesn't work out real great, does it? Think of Elijah. God did amazing things through that Old Testament prophet. He had just experienced a huge uh, spiritual victory and spiritual warfare over 450 false prophets. And then he went away from home and left to himself, away from home, out of his routine. He's weary. He's tired. He's depressed. He's even suicidal. We catch up with him in 1 Kings 19 and verse 11, where God recognizes that he needs some time with God. So he says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. If I was God, I'd probably show up in something that would get his attention like that. That's not how God worked. He says, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't even in the fire. If I was God, I'd say, you know what, that burning bush thing worked great for Moses. I'm going to keep doing that every time I want to get one of my people's attention, because now they've learned the lesson, right? He never used that tool again, including with Elijah, and probably with us. And he says, after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And that was the voice of God. If we're not willing to get to a place in all of the craziness and noise of our lives to get quiet, to be able to hear the gentle whisper of the voice of God, we're probably not going to hear it. We're going to be left to live life in our own strength and wisdom. And that doesn't work out so great. We all need a routine if tomorrow... We're going to spend time with God even if nothing else happens. You might be thinking, wait a minute, I'm not really a routine kind of guy. I'm not detail-oriented. It seems like a personal preference, not what we have to do. Remember that Jesus did the very same thing? Jesus, who was God himself, who had the most important job on the planet, still made a habit, a routine of getting away early in the morning to spend time quietly in prayer with God before he went off to do all the other things he had to do. And if Jesus did it, think maybe that us as his disciples and followers need that as well if you're thinking i'm not into routines i'm not into rules uh, that's just not how i function it's not my personality i get bad news for you a lot of the people who are uh, key leaders in mega churches and and big corporations are also the kind of people who write books and how to do things right And those people oftentimes tend to be people of routine and habits and rigid processes for everything. And then they write the books. And sometimes we get the idea from those books, you have to do it exactly like I do it or it's not going to work. I have the right way. Follow my routine. Can I just tell you, I'm not that kind of personality. There's other people who lead megachurches and big corporations and whatever who have kind of my, my personality, ADD off the charts, constantly starting one thing and off to the next thing and, and, and practically unable to keep a routine. They just don't write the books. And so if you're more like me than you are like Pete Scazzaro, can I suggest to you uh, my routine? You don't have to make your routine look like this, but just to give you a picture of what it might look like. I'm a recovering Baptist, and so anything that sounds like legalism or rules, I run away from. And so for years, I avoided what I'd heard for years, which is spend time with Jesus every single day, make it a routine, a habit. I'm like, eh, eh, that sounds like a rule to me. I ain't doing it. 
that didn't work out real great for me. But for years and years and years, I have spent time daily, quiet, before the Lord. And here's how it looks. If you were to walk in on it, it does not look uh, spiritual. It does not look like a monk in a monastery pouring over manuscripts. You know, it looks a lot like a grumpy guy in a chair staring at his phone. Because uh, every morning when I wake up, it's not the same time every day. This morning it was 5 a.m. Yesterday it was 10 a.m. when I woke up. But the first thing that I do is to get alone in my chair with God. And in the process of waking up, actually, usually there's coffee involved as well. I, I, I sit and, and just be quietly. I'm not a morning person. Anybody who's ever woke up under the same roof as me knows. I don't want to talk to anybody in the morning. Nobody wants to hear from me in the morning. If they're wise, they don't try to talk to me. And for a long time, I thought, God doesn't want to hear from me either in the morning, so I need to do my devotions later. And then I finally realized one of the reasons that I'm such a jerk in the morning is because I'm full of me. And I haven't yet allowed God to fill me up with him. And after an hour or so, he's made me decent enough to be able to interact with people without biting their head off. And for me, I sit in the chair and it's not super spiritual. I do different things. My process is different and varied uh, regularly. And I'll grab something and run with it for a week or a month or whatever. And then change the process because I get bored with something. But lately, you know what I've been doing? pull out my phone and open up the um, app on there. Um, it, and uh, there's a couple different, different ones, but I, I want to point you to this one. If you're not sure where to start, let me suggest you go to Bible Gateway. Um, and uh, this uh, uh, Bible app right here, look it up on your phone, the Version Bible. It'll allow you to pick a reading plan. It'll uh, give you a devotional guides, even as simple as the verse of the day that'll pop up, just to give you a starting point for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. It doesn't have to be elaborate or involved. It doesn't have to be an hour long. Pick your time, your place. Develop some sort of a process that can become a routine to spend time with God. Because I've learned if my day starts with my time alone with God, and then it's a whole lot easier to stay on track with him than to be filled with myself. Sometimes I leave that chair in that room and I go right back to being me and I have to say, okay, Lord, I've kind of screwed it up again. I need some more of you. Um, but starting there is a whole lot better plan than never getting there. Now, this is not my in-depth Bible study time. This is not my brother Lawrence uh, practicing the presence of God uh, routine. This is not my sermon preparation. This is just my daily routine of spending the beginning of the day letting God speak to me and talking back to him. And this is a non-negotiable for me. If there's no emergency in room involved, I get my time alone in the morning. And sometimes I have to adjust that when I travel or uh, back when I did youth trips or, or missions trips. If everybody in the group's getting up at 5 a.m., guess what? I've got to get up at 4 and go find some place where nobody's going to bug me in order to spend time alone, quiet with God before anything else good is going to happen in my day. What's your time? What's your place? What's your process? If you don't have one, I want to challenge you, before you get out of your seat and leave this room today, make the decision. My priority tomorrow, no matter what else doesn't happen in my day, I'm going to spend time with God, and here's my time, my place, and the process that I'm planning to do it. 
and continue to do that until it becomes a routine. The day after that and the day after that. See if it doesn't change your life. Would you take a moment now to pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come before you one more time. And I pray, Father, that you would use your followers who are gathered here in this room, who are joining us online, that you would speak into us, into our hearts, that you would convict us of the overwhelming need that we have for you to be the priority in our lives. God, would you motivate us to stop at nothing until we have something like Daniel's plan, where every day, without fail, we've implemented a routine and a habit and a rule of life that says you come first. And even if we do nothing else tomorrow, we're going to get a time alone with you. Lord, I thank you in advance for how you're going to use that time to change us and then to use us to change the world around us.